This is Generation Justice, broadcasting from the University of New Mexico, 89.9 KUNM and KUNM.org. I'm your host, Maya Quinones. And I'm your co-host, Zach Milliken. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. Over the past several years, there's been a backlash on ethnic studies curriculum. We've seen this especially in places like Tucson, Arizona, where the Chicano Studies program and its books were banned. Tonight, we focus on institutional racism, as well as the positive impacts of ethnic studies classes and books. We'll be joined by the Chicano Studies teacher at Albuquerque High School, Ms. Veronica Medina, and two of her students, Gabriela Ortega and Eric Gonzalez. And later, we'll talk with Senator Linda Lopez to discuss her memorial at this year's legislative session that addresses institutional racism. Plus, we'll share another amazing installment of Community Calendar and some great music. Here's my co-host Maya with the first song. What we have seen over the years is that education is a way to advance in the world. This first song talks about the importance of waking up every morning with a desire to learn and to teach. Here's Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. We gotta change it now, just you and me. Up next, we will be interviewing Miss Medina, a Chicano studies teacher from my very own Albuquerque High School. Miss Medina will be joining us to talk about the importance of ethnic studies programs. She will also be joined by two of her students, Gabriela Ortega and Eric Gonzalez, who will share their own perspectives. In Tucson, the Ethnic Studies program has been banned under accusations of teaching the overthrow of the government or breeding ethnic resentment. In contrast, many researchers and a state commission audit have found that Ethnic Studies improves student achievement and critical thinking. Now we welcome our guests, Ms. Medina, Gabriela, and Eric, who will be discussing the benefits of Ethnic Studies programs with Generation Justice's own Christina Rodriguez. I'm Christina Rodriguez, and tonight I want to welcome our special guest here in the studio from Albuquerque High School, Chicano Studies teacher and culinary arts teacher, Ms. Veronica Medina, and two of her students, Gabriela Ortega and Eric Gonzalez. Their class at Albuquerque High is the only Chicano Studies class that is offered at the high school level in all of New Mexico. And their class examines how the social structure of race and class influence social behavior and the self-identity of the people of Mexican descent. We are honored to have you in the studio tonight. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you so much for having us here. Uh, my, as On behalf of me and my students, we're just so happy that you all are taking this on and giving our, our kids, our youth, the voice. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yes, I'm from uh, southern New Mexico. I was brought up in Las Cruces. And um, during the 70s, uh, before the Chicano movement really took off in southern New Mexico, we only had three uh, Hispanic faculty members at New Mexico State University, which is our land-grant university. So student population came in, spoke up, and that's where it leads to today, even here at UNM, during the Chicano walkout. <clears throat> 
Well, my family moved to the South Broadway area from La Barca, Jalisco in the 1920s, and three generations later, we're still there. So um, I take a lot of pride in my Mexican heritage, and I take a lot of pride in my neighborhood. Uh, my name is Eric Gonzalez. I was born and raised here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. My, I'm second generation Mexican. My grandparents, uh, they came here to try to give my parents a better life, and they're from Juarez, Mexico. Thank you for that. Ms. Medina, can you share with us why it's so important to have Chicano studies at a high school level? Oh, absolutely. Um, without us knowing where we came from, uh, it's hard to accept even other people of different cultures. I, I strongly believe that, you know, through education, of course, that uh, knowing where we came from and what our struggles were together, we can just make it a better world. Um, one of my students wrote, to get to the top, we need to know where we come from, and I'm reading directly from one of his papers. So just to let you know, the students feel the same way. So it is important to have the cultural studies in all schools, I believe. Gabriela and Eric, what motivated you to take this class? Well, um, I, was, I was very privileged to be introduced to Chicano studies at a very young age. I was about um, seven or eight when I started reading um, some literature that my mom had, and I've, I've always been interested in my culture and my heritage, and when I found out that Chicano Studies was offered at Albuquerque High School, it was, it was just, um, I felt very honored to be a part of the only Chicano Studies class offered at the high school level here in New Mexico. The same goes for me. Once I found out, I really knew I had to be a part of this program because I really do care where I came from, and I care about my culture, and I just want to know more. And it's cool because if you're in that class, you feel accepted because... Everyone there is there for the same purpose, and that's to learn their culture, learn another group's culture. I would have loved to have that opportunity to have a Chicano Studies class at my high school, and I didn't. So can you share with me, Gabriela and Eric, about how has that class impacted you? Well, personally, um, that class has... Uh, really introduced me to some different perspectives, especially of my other classmates who consider themselves to be either Hispanic, Latino, um, Mexicana, and uh, me, myself, considering myself Chicana, it's, it's been really um, eye-opening for me to see how different people perceive our heritage, you know, especially um, the, the, the Aztec Empire being conquered all the way up until the Zutsu riots. It's pretty amazing to see how different people relate to that. For me, the big deal about Chicano Studies was uh, it gave me a different perspective and it, uh, it allowed me to accept my heritage and where I came from. And I'm really humbled and proud to say I'm Chicano. What's it like teaching this class, Ms. Medina? Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. We have a variety of students, a variety of learning levels. We have uh, African-Americans, we have Anglo-Americans, we have, of course, uh, our are Chicanos or Mexican-Americans. It's just interesting to see how they themselves, or what they call themselves, I should say, you know, because even just asking them, what do you consider yourself? And I'll have a kid just straight up say, well, miss, I'm Mexican, or I'm Mexican-American, or, you know, it's just interesting. It's, it's wonderful. I think it's so important how you mentioned knowing where you come from helps create that identity and also creates that inspiration of where you want to go and where, how you can get there. So, Gabrielle and Eric, I'm curious about how has knowing your history changed you? Well, for me, I can honestly say that it's made me a lot more grateful. 
knowing that my um, my Aztec ancestors had to endure the conquering of their land and their people, as well as um, in the 1920s, the first pretty much wave of Chicano youth in uh, East Los Angeles had to, um, you know, they, they went through a lot of trials and struggles and, you know, being arrested just for the color of your skin it's it's made me definitely see that whatever I want to do in life is possible. And um, that's why now I feel so strongly about telling our, our youth, you know, where they came from and teaching them about their heritage and their culture. It just gives you a sense of pride, a sense of power. Yeah, for me, it, uh, it allowed me to become a better role model because I heard all these stories and all these other things of us being a stereotype almost. But for me, now I could go out there and let other people know that this is a good program and you should be in this program because it's it's really a one-of-a-kind program that I kind of think that I, I believe that this should be in other schools across not just the state but around the nation because – you got to know where your heritage is and what your culture is. This is seriously the only Chicano Studies class in all of New Mexico, and I just think that's so mind-blowing. Can you share more with me about the history of this class? Um, well, uh, Mr. John Jake Lopez, uh, who was is is still an amazing teacher, he brought it in 1975 from the old Albuquerque High over to the new Albuquerque High, and there was a, a gentleman before him that taught the class, but he's allowed it and he's fought for it to keep it going, even after different administrations have said, well, you know, we're going to go ahead and snub it out. But no, it, it, the kids have fought for it themselves, which is awesome because, I mean, a culture represents language, it, it represents food, other traditions, and to have that, uh, to have that can sometimes feel... Uh, like if something, if you don't have that, sometimes it can feel like something is missing. And so he brought that into the school so that people have that. What do you feel like you have in that class, Gabriella and Eric? I feel that I have an extreme sense of family. Everyone is very welcoming and accepting, no matter your background, you know, your age, your grade level, your learning level. Everybody really just wants to band together to, to prove that even being a minority, we are still a powerful people. I mean, there is just such a sense of pride that comes with the word Chicano that it really, it really tells you that you could be anything. And that's what we need to be telling our, our youth is that they can do whatever they want and not only tell them, but show them by example. Show them that our leaders, you know, Cesar Chavez and Pancho Villa, they, they persevered through a lot of struggles and hardships. And if they can do it, you can do it too. Exactly. I just also think that the minority is becoming the majority in this country. And I think that now we're, we're having a voice finally as Chicanos and as Hispanics because now the population is really growing in Chicano in the United States and I just think it's cool now that we are finally getting that voice that we've been trying to get for so long. One of those books in Arizona that was banned was Bless Me Ultima and I know that you mentioned that book earlier. Um, Eric, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, Bless Me Ultima. Classic. Classic by Rodolfo Onaya. I remember my father, when I was six, he tried to read us that book all the time before bed. We'd run away and say we had to take a shower or whatever. But once I got to 10th grade, we had to read that for an assignment. And it's really a powerful book that explains New Mexican culture.
And what's it feel like to read a book that can you can relate to? It's awesome, honestly. I, I'm not a big reader, but that book, it makes you want to read. It makes you want to know because you can relate to it, and it makes you feel like you're part of it almost. Gabriella, you also talked about the impact of Chicano literature on your life. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, when I was a young girl, um, one of my mom's favorite books was 500 Years of Chicano History. And when I was about eight or nine, I read a poem in the beginning of it. It starts off the book as saying that the mestizo, a mix of all races, that we're a cosmic people. And that just really gave me the motivation I needed to want to pursue a career and want to pursue a lifestyle of change. I want to to eventually, you know, I want to see Chicano studies being taught in high schools throughout New Mexico to start off with. I want my children to be able to have the opportunity to learn about their culture and heritage, you know, in the future. And I just think that we need to keep these classes here to preserve our unique culture. So what would your message be, and I'm asking all of you, to people that are interested in banning those books or stopping these classes? Well, for me personally, I believe um, educational politics or politicians, um, when, when they start withholding information or they mislead or they lie or they undercut others to get ahead, especially when it comes to what our kids should be learning, I mean, to me, that's... Uh, that's wrong and we the people we need to stand up for what's right as you can see our our students my students here with me today they felt it important to take time out of their Sunday evening they don't have to go to school tomorrow but here they are talking about what they believe and you know it's the same with BSU the Black Student Union mm -hmm. it's the same with our Native American Club they I got them in on this as well because I think the information needs to be shared that they're trying to take this away from us so it's important that we, we gather together and fight. Well, um, I would just like to bring up the fact that um, State Representative Nora Espinosa of Roswell stated that um, Chicano literature is racist and hateful. And speaking myself as a Chicana and pretty much for Chicano activists and authors, I believe that rightfully knowing what we've been through no Chicano would ever subject a non-Chicano to the same hatred and discrimination that we've had to deal with since the 1920s. I mean, here at Albuquerque High School, we celebrate the diversity of all of our Bulldogs. And I think, like Ms. Medina said, getting the BSU and the Native American um, class involved speaks to the fact that we, we celebrate each other's diversity, you know? I mean, those are like our brothers and sisters, and we, we're a mixture of all the races. The mestizo is a mixture of not only the black from the slaves that were taken through Mexico, but from the Moors that invaded um, Spain before they had invaded Mexico, you know? And we have the Spanish blood, the, the Indians, the Toltecs, the Aztecs. And just to, to call a race that truly is like just one big melting pot racist I think is it, it's just absurd to me for me I think if you take this this ethnic studies away from kids at AHS it's really gonna affect them because at AHS there's a lot of diversity a lot mainly Hispanics but we have a lot of different people in my Chicano study class we have African-Americans we have Indians and they all listen they all are engaged with it because they all know the same things that we have been through. Is there anything else that you would like to add? 
We would just like to thank you once again, and especially everybody at Albuquerque High. We'd like to thank um, uh, our administration for allowing this class to continue because we know we know that they will continue this class. I would just like to encourage um, not only Chicano youth, but Native Americans, Anglo Americans, African Americans, whatever your ethnicity or heritage is, if this course is not offered at your school, I would highly suggest that you, you read into Chicano heritage, and I believe that it will be highly relatable to you. Just the, the struggles, they're really inspiring of the people who have persevered through all of the racism and through all of the discrimination. It really, it, it does speak to the American dream. And to to ban a class because it's it's ethnically diverse, you know, diversity is what America itself is built on. Mm -hmm. You know, that's truly what we believe. And even though we are of Mexican-American descent, we love America more than anything. Exactly. It's not just because we're Mexican doesn't mean we don't love the U.S. I mean, we're here for a reason. But if I want to know my culture and my background, I think that's my decision. And I think this class should be offered at every high school in Albuquerque, especially because of just the diverse population. And the word Chicano, I think it, it, it came to be the, the sub-race because we were not fully accepted by the American community as well as the Mexican community. We had to find our own identity. And that made us stronger. It made us band together. It made us um, self-sustaining in a way. That's not to say that we don't celebrate each other's diversity, but... We are very proud of each other, and we uplift each other, and we just want to see all of our fellow Chicanos as well as all of our fellow Bulldogs succeed and become something. I think all of you have helped uplift us here at Generation Justice tonight, and Gabriella and Eric, your words are so full of passion, and it's inspiring to see how this class has helped you, and Miss Medina, your perseverance is also admirable, and I'm just really grateful to speak with you all tonight here in the studio. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Ms. Medina, Gabriella, and Eric for speaking with us. We appreciate you sharing your stories. Um, I'd like to start off by thanking Ms. Medina for being here. Um, thank you, my fellow Albuquerque High Bulldogs. I really can relate to uh, what Gabriella said about um, you know this huge melting pot of of culture because I I'm a Chicana Puerto Rican and that's something that you don't always find but in Miss Medina's class in the Chicano studies class I can find a place where I feel like I relate to everybody in that class even though I'm not um, you know 100% Chicana but um, and you know it's just a safe space for me and I want to see that class continue and I want it to grow so um, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Maya, for being who you are and for what you're doing. Thank you for having us on this radio station to, to speak out about the social injustices that are going on today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Um, now here's a song called Black Girl Pain by Talib Kweli. That song was a great introduction for our next topic, 
institutionalized racism, and the steps that are being taken to combat it. Institutional racism is the intentional or unintentional placement of certain racial and ethnic groups at a disadvantage in relation to other groups due to the existence of institutional programs, policies, and practices. For example, we can see how the justice system in the United States targets African American people at an alarmingly unequal rate. 75% of people in state prison for drug convictions are people of color, although African American and white people use and see drugs at the same rate. Our guest now is New Mexico State Senator Linda Lopez, who will be joining us over the phone to talk about the memorial she introduced. In the joint memorial, every agency and entity that receives state funding is encouraged to adopt policies that address and ameliorate institutional racism. Here's Generation Justice Fellow Christina Rodriguez with Senator Linda Lopez. I'm Christina Rodriguez with Generation Justice, and I'm joined by New Mexico Senator Linda Lopez. She's a Democrat who's represented the South Valley and the Southwest Mesa here in Bernalillo County since 1997. Senator Lopez, Welcome to Generation Justice. Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, be with you and um, maybe to share some thoughts. Thank you. We're excited to have you. To start off, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, um, yes, I've uh, been a state senator. This is now my 19th year. And I'm an Albuquerque native, born and raised in Albuquerque in the North Valley and uh, went to Valley High School graduated from the College of Santa Fe with a bachelor's and master's degree, attended UNM School of Law, and then had to leave, uh, chose to leave actually in the middle of my studies um, to take care of my mother. I'm a small business owner and single parent to a 14-year-old, soon-to-be high school freshman. Thank you for sharing that. To continue, can you give us an overview of the memorial that you recently proposed, Senate Joint Memorial 15? Yes. I'm honored, of course, to be working with the Health Equity Work Group and others in our community, um, having this important conversation, dialogue about institutionalized racism. I was able to get a Senate memorial through a couple of years ago, which was the first in our country to actually have a measure pass a legislative body that acknowledged this issue of institutionalized racism. And uh, I am working, of course, in conjunction with our Representative Martinez, Javier Martinez on the House side, doing a joint memorial, which means both measures would have to go through both chambers in order to pass officially. Our communities here in New Mexico and, of course, across this nation and many worldwide deal with this issue on a daily basis. And what I have seen during my time in office is we really are not having the necessary conversation and dialogue about what racism is the lack of mobility, ability, however you wish to determine it, for our people of color to move forward. In state government, uh, we have people who are very well qualified, who can do a job of managing, etc., and yet they don't seem to be moving up. When you look at national, even here in our own national uh, laboratories, there seems to be a ceiling that exists where our own people of color, men and women who are qualified, just don't seem to go further than this certain level. And when you have a system that perpetuates that, also affected by the people who may be appointed to be the management, who may continue to foster the system, whether they recognize it or not, that this memorial is asking state government to review and look at our what we do in state government. If we're going to ask and talk about this issue on racism and 
how we begin the change, then state government needs to be the leader in it. And it's at the local level, our local county governments, city governments, you know, the municipal level. That's why I agree to working again with our health equity work group and others in our community to say, yeah, no. I just want to tell you how thankful I am that you're doing this work and you're taking that step forward, creating this dialogue that we need to have, especially here in New Mexico. And in order to continue that dialogue, can you help us and our listeners understand what is institutional racism? Institutionalized racism, you know, has a definition that, you know, when we had this conversation in the session two years ago, everybody has their own dialogue. Each one of us has what we think institutionalized racism, and it's not something that you can see explicitly out in front of us, like a building, an institution, physical building, but it's embedded in policies. In in state government, I've been speaking with many state employees who have been around for 25 years, 20 years, and they come in and are asked to help train new employees who come in that may not be a person of color, maybe from someplace other than New Mexico, and yet they have that extra piece of paper but don't have all the other necessaries. The person who's been there traditionally has been a person of color who's passed over. They're asked to train them and then um, this other person takes over that position and then continues to move up. Within our school system, the way that our children are perceived, how they are treated when they walk in the door, that's part of some of the initiatives that Albuquerque has been working against just to create um, a welcoming environment where if you speak one language, maybe not English, then you are treated differently. When that's perpetuated through you know, our school system and many other places, to me that's also called institutionalized racism until we begin to work at it, have the dialogue. If we truly are to be a people united, recognizing all of our differences, that we need to be accepting of the people who are different from me just because of who I, you know, of what I look like doesn't mean you have to look speak the, the way I do. Thank you for helping clarify how institutional racism, I mean, it's such a huge influence in every kind of department, whether it's policy or education or your employment. And so I think you did a great job explaining that. Do you anticipate that there will be any resistance or opposition to this memorial? Oh, yes. Yes, ma'am, I do. I really do. You know, there are some people who will feel offended, and it's what it is. And it's not meant to hurt anyone, but it's part of this conversation that we must keep alive. Because if we keep quiet, don't talk about it, then sometimes in your silence that means you're accepting of what's being given to you. And none of our people, regardless of color, creed, sexual orientation, whatever it is, religion, all of us should have that same opportunity to move up and to move forward in our careers. We have the same opportunity for success, whatever that success is for the individual. Do you perhaps have a message to people that say that racism no longer exists? For me, when we truly have what I call opportunity, equal for everyone, where the equity is there, uh, where there's no one being cast aside because of your inability to meet a certain set of standards that may not be the standards for me, for my son, or for anyone. I mean, in other words, we have to be accepting of each other's, you know, have the tolerance of the differences that each one of us have. It takes time. Every generation has to understand and learn to be accepting of others. To me, the message is, is that racism is still there. 
Thank you, Senator Lopez. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Again, thank you for this opportunity. I admire what Generation Justice does, the work that you do and the advocacy. But most importantly, of course, is that I invite uh, your listeners to please go to nmlegis.gov, nmlegis.gov. Pay attention to what's happening up in the New Mexico legislature. You know, the issues on the immigrant driver's license, there's just so much that's there that we need to be aware and pay attention because uh, if we look back in history, you know, things started small where they then became larger and began to persecute people just because of their differences. And we always have to be aware, educate ourselves, and participate. You know, talk to your legislator send an email, a phone call, and uh, let us know that you are very much interested because we do need you. I need you there. Again, just thank you, Senator Lopez, for all the work that you do and for having this dialogue with me as well as our family here at Generation Justice. We just want to thank you again. Well, thank you, and um, I look forward to having some more conversations here. Thank you, State Senator Lopez, for taking the time to speak with us. It's really important what you are doing to eradicate institutional racism that not only affects people of color, but all of us. I really appreciate what you had to say about um, just talking about it, just addressing institutionalized racism is a step towards um, bettering ourselves. Um, Thank you again, Senator Linda Lopez. Our next song is about self-love. Self-love is possible if you always remember how important you are. Here's I by Kendall Kumar. This is a world premiere. This is a world premiere. I done been through a whole lot. Trial, tribulation, but I know God. Satan wanna put me in a bow tie. Pray that the holy water don't go dry, yeah, yeah. As I look around me, so many motherfuckers go wanna tell me. But even though they wanna tell me, in front of a dirty double mirror, they fell me. And I love myself. Thank you, Maya, for sharing those dope tunes. Up next, we have another exceptional community calendar. Now here's your incredible calendar hosts, Aaron Hagler and Ban Jabber, here to show you what's going down in the 505. Hey Generation Justice listeners, it's that time again, the community calendar. I'm your host, Ban Jabber. And I'm your other host, Aaron Hagler. Throughout this month and next, we have awesome upcoming events that are sure to tickle your social justice fancy. Nowadays, it seems as though we hear news involving the Middle East constantly. The UNM Peace Studies Program, along with the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice and SOAP, Students Organizing Actions for Peace, are sponsoring a film series entitled People Before Profit. This week's feature is titled Occupation 101 and presents facts and causes surrounding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the political involvement of the United States. The showing is tomorrow in the UNM Student Union Building Theater, located on the first floor, room 1003. These films will be showing every Monday during the semester and discussions about the films led by UNM professors and graduate students will be held immediately following the screenings. You know, after I go to the movies, I am always hungry. Well, Bian, I have great news for you. The Albuquerque High School and Creative Enrichment Center's Native American Leadership Council are having their annual community dinner. The dinner will happen this Thursday at 6 p.m. in the Albuquerque High School cafeteria. For more information regarding the food, games, and entertainment, contact Elizabeth Trujillo at 575-505-884-6392. And if entertaining and great food is your thing, the next event is perfect for you. The Chispa New Latin Music Series, a collaboration between Nation Beat, which is a Brazilian-American group, and Chawa, a band from New Orleans, incorporates music, dance, and art. 
This event will highlight the cultural exchange between North and South America. At the Carnival Caravan, there will also be a meet and eat before the show, catered by M. Tucci's Kachina. That will begin at 5 p.m. This event is to be held at the National Hispanic Cultural Center on February 21st at 7.30 p.m. For more information, visit www.nhccnm.org. Now, after you visited Brazil, come back to the Chemo Theater in Albuquerque on Wednesday, February 25th. New Mexico PBS, as part of its community cin cinema series, will be screening American Denial, which tells of Gunnar Myrdal's investigation of Jim Crow racism. This film explores the power of unconscious biases and how the ideas of liberty, equality, and justice still affect race and class today. Doors open at 6.30 and the film begins at 7. After the screening, there will be a panel discussion featuring community members, including Generation Justice's very own Polly Dinetclaw. While Jim Crow racism was a sad truth, Albuquerque has been plagued by a similar reality through incidents of police brutality. On March 5th, Sam Costales, a former APD officer, will lecture on the systematic problems of police violence within the force. This event is part of the Police Violence and Social Control Lecture Series and will be held at the Sub on UNM's main campus. It's open to the public and it starts at 2 p.m. If you have any more questions, you can contact David Correa at d-c-o-r-r-e-i-a at unm.edu. On a lighter note, the UNM Centro de la Raza will hold its first annual Raza Graduate Student Research Conference to recognize the barriers to access and success for people of color in academia. This event comes in honor of International Women's Day, and the center welcomes projects at any stage that focus on issues affecting communities of color. A few workshops that are being featured at the conference include the importance of reproductive health for New Mexican women and faculty allies, how to develop effective mentoring relationships with students of color. The conference is scheduled for Friday, March 20th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the University of New Mexico. But for more information, contact Melina Juarez at mdjuarez at unm.edu. As much as we've enjoyed sharing the vibrant community calendar with you, our time has sadly come to an end. Until next time, I'm your host, Bayan Jabber. And I'm your other host, Aaron Hagler. Now back to Zach and Maya. Thank you, Aaron and Bayan. This next song is by the California-based band La Santa Cecilia. This song has become an anthem for the movement against family separation through deportation. Here's their song titled El Hielo. Ice, water frozen solid. Ice, immigration and customs enforcement. Ice, El Hielo. Pasando el trapo sobre la mesa y está cuidando que todo brilla. We have reached the end of tonight's program. Thank you all for joining us this evening as we explored the impact that ethnic studies has in the state of New Mexico. We would like to thank Senator Linda Lopez, Ms. Veronica Medina, Gabriela Ortega, and Eric Gonzalez for this insightful conversation and for taking the time to speak with us. Special thanks to Christina Rodriguez. Thanks to our calendar host for this evening, Aaron Hagler and Bayan Jabber. Engineering in studio tonight is the wonderful Kamriya Umi. Editing for tonight's program was done by Cristina Rodriguez. Shout out to Polly Dinetclaw, Chantel Trujillo, George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, and Roberta Rael, who all worked on the production of this program. My co-host Maya Quinones also helped with production this week. Thanks, Maya. 
Much appreciation to all of our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are now available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation and, of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm your host, Maya Quinones. And I'm your co-host, Zach Milliken. To end our program tonight, we'll leave you with a few closing songs. Up next on KUNM is Spoken Word. See you next Sunday at 7. Laters. Whoa.